Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. You got to have a negative view of life, okay? It seems to me the way you all, you never ask a positive question. Why, in fact? The news media are supposed to be about the news, not political spin. But too much of what you see on so-called news channels these days are just cheap partisan talking points designed to push a narrative rather than to objectively inform. Let's talk about the battle over new election laws. Last year during the pandemic, states adopted a lot of new and exotic voting techniques. Drive-in voting, massive vote-by-mail, unattended drop boxes, a lot of new and unprecedented stuff, so now states are moving to update their rules to make sure that only eligible voters are voting. And of course, Democrats are claiming that these new rule changes are restrictions and suppression motivated by racist Republicans. Instead of calling out the Democrats for their shameless hyperbole, the news media are helping them discredit any rules aimed at making elections more secure. You hear the same language over and over again, like an advertising campaign, because that's exactly what it is. As we listen to what the media are saying here, keep in mind, none of these laws would actually restrict any eligible citizens from voting on election day, or voting early, or voting by mail if they needed to. The claim that these laws would prevent voters from voting is fantasy. You don't get a home security system to keep out wanted guests. Anyway, let's dive in. Republicans in at least 43 states now introducing bills to restrict access. 22 states have passed voter suppression laws. Voter suppression laws that are advancing. A Republican bill designed to suppress voting. Voter suppression laws. These voter suppression laws. New voting restrictions laws signed today. One of the most restrictive. One of the most restrictive. One of the most restrictive voting bills in the country. So obviously there's a pattern here. And of course, it's pretty negative in tone. Now let's compare this coverage to how so-called journalists talk about the Democrats' federal power grab called the For the People Act, which would override state laws, doesn't matter if they're new or longstanding, including outlying popular election measures such as voter ID employed by 36 states. Here we have a host of election laws passed in state houses around the country by lawmakers elected by the people. For a small cadre of liberals in Washington, D.C. to override all of that on a purely party-line vote would seem extremely undemocratic. But that's not how the media are selling it. They want viewers to think that Democrats are just trying to protect voter rights. Democrats' top priority for protecting voting rights, the For the People Act. The For the People Act, which would be a, a sort of baseline threshold of voting access. A nationwide floor of voting rights like what's contained in H.R. 1. Action on the federal level protecting voting rights. A kind of new version of the Voting Rights Act. Republicans are so terrified of the For the People Act because they know it'll fix our democracy in the very ways that they're trying to undermine it. 
All of this heavy-handed coverage boils down to just another example of the whole problem with the media. That is, partisan journalists have abandoned reporting the news in favor of propaganda and political advocacy. That's why viewers need... Good evening and thank you for joining us. We are going to begin tonight right here in Switzerland, where just hours from now, President Biden will face off with Russia's Vladimir Putin in what may be the most consequential and contentious showdown of his presidency. Now, sources tell CBS News Mr. Biden arrives at his first summit with the Russian leader with clear eyes and low expectations. Relations between the U.S. and Russia have all but broken down, and tonight the White House says there's little hope for a major breakthrough. Instead, President Biden plans to call on Mr. Putin to cooperate on the world stage and call him out for covert attacks and cyber crimes targeting American commerce and democracy. President Biden in this summit will likely talk about election interference, also about cyber attacks on our government, and then those Russian-based attacks on our infrastructure affecting gas prices and the U.S. meat supply. And of course, that's just the beginning. The Russians have brought up the idea of a prisoner swap. Two former Marines are being held in Russia. And President Biden, who once said he did not believe Putin had a soul, telling our Cecilia Vega coming into this summit that Putin is a worthy adversary. And so our chief White House correspondent, Cecilia Vega, leading us off again tonight, right here in Geneva. On the eve of his high-stakes summit with the man he's called a killer, tonight, President Biden sounding confident. Good evening from Geneva, where across the lake behind me, two of the world's most powerful men, Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin, will sit down with each other just hours from now, airing out differences, staking out positions, and perhaps engaging in a bit of... Answer the first question. <laughs> I'm laughing too. They actually, I. Are you so confident he'll change his behavior, Mr. President? Yeah, I'm not confident he'll change his behavior. What the hell? What do you do all the time? So, when did I say I was confident? You said, said in the next six months. I said, said what I said was, let's get it straight. I said, what will change their behavior is that the rest of the world reacts to them and it diminishes their standing in the world. I'm not confident of anything. Just stating the fact. But given his past behavior has not changed, and in that press conference after sitting down with you for several hours, he denied any involvement in cyber attacks, he downplayed human rights abuses, he even refused to say Alexei Navalny's name. So how does that account to a constructive meeting as President Putin? Prayed? You don't understand that you're in your own business. It's a summit with China. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 17th of june year of our lord 2021 and i was told that was abusive to the press it was a fringement on the bill of rights it was un-american that whole intro was un-american so yeah today's shows biden and the capital as you can see by this picture because we have another segment on the Capitol, then in my opinion, 
pretty damning. And speaking of January 6th, why there's still so many things, basic factual matters that we don't understand about that day? Why is the Biden administration preventing us from knowing? Why is the administration still hiding more than 10,000 hours of surveillance tape from the U.S. Capitol on January 6th? What could possibly be the reason for that? Even as they call for more openness, we need to get to the bottom of it. They could release those tapes today, but they're not. Why? We ought to be asking those questions urgently, because as the Attorney General reminded us today, a lot depends on the answers. And at least one news organization is asking that. Revolver News. It's a new site. It's turned out to be one of the last honest outlets on the Internet. A new piece on Revolver.News suggests an answer to some of these questions. We know that the government is hiding the identity of many law enforcement officers who were present at the Capitol on January 6th, not just the one who killed Ashley Babbitt. According to the government's own court filings, those law enforcement officers participated in the riot, sometimes in violent ways. We know that because without fail, the government has thrown the book at most people who are present in the Capitol on January 6th. There was a nationwide dragnet to find them, and many of them are still in solitary confinement tonight. But strangely, some of the key people who participated on January 6th have not been charged. Look at the documents. The government calls those people unindicted co-conspirators. What does that mean? Well, it means that in potentially every single case, they were FBI operatives. Really? In the Capitol on January 6th. For example, one of those unindicted co-conspirators is someone government documents identify only as Person 2. According to those documents, Person 2 stayed in the same hotel room as a man called Thomas Caldwell, an insurrectionist, a man alleged to be a member of the group The Oath Keepers. Person 2 also, quote, stormed the barricades at the Capitol on January 6th alongside Thomas Caldwell. The government's indictments further indicate that Caldwell, who, by the way, is a 65-year-old man, this dangerous insurrectionist, was led to believe there would be a, quote, quick reaction force also participating on January 6th. That quick reaction force, Caldwell was told, would be led by someone called Person 3, who had a hotel room and an accomplice with him. But wait, here's the interesting thing. Person 2 and Person 3 were organizers of the riot. The government knows who they are, but the government has not charged them. Why is that? You know why. They were almost certainly working for the FBI. So FBI operatives were organizing the attack on the Capitol on January 6th, according to government documents. And those two are not alone. In all, Revolver News reported there are, quote, upwards of 20 unindicted co-conspirators in the Oath Keeper indictments, all playing various roles in the conspiracy, who have not been charged for virtually the exact same activities, and in some cases, much, much more severe activities as those named alongside them in the indictments. Huh? So it turns out that this white supremacist insurrection was, again, by the government's own admission in these documents, organized at least in part by government agents. Are you shocked? We're shocked. We shouldn't be shocked. Because in March, the FBI director admitted that the Bureau is infiltrating as many dissident groups that oppose the regime as it possibly can. There must be moments where you think if we would have known, uh, if we could have uh, infiltrated this group or found out what they were doing. And that, do you, do you have those moments? So anytime there's an attack, especially one that's this horrific, that strikes right at the heart of our system of government, right at the time the transfer of power is being discussed, 
you can be darn tootin' <laughs> that we are focused very, very hard on how can we get better sources, better information, better analysis, so that we can make sure that something like what happened on January 6th never happens again. But wait a second. There's a huge difference between using an informant to find out what a group you find threatening might do and paying people to help organize a violent action, which is what happened apparently according to government documents on January 6th. That's a line and the FBI has crossed it. And it's not the first time they crossed that line in Michigan. Remember that plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer? We heard a lot about that. And Whitmer was able to cover some of her own incompetence, though not all, by pointing to the fact that she's now a victim. Now in the FBI's telling of that plot, a whole team of insurrectionists was gonna drive a van up to Gretchen Whitmer's vacation house and throw her in the back and drive away. The mastermind of this plot, according to the FBI, was a man called Adam Fox. Who is Adam Fox? Adam Fox turned out to be a homeless guy who was living in the basement of a vacuum repair shop. Quite a gorilla. The whole story was a farce. It was insulting, really, once you got to the details, which outlets like the AP didn't bother with in the first read. But if you read the government's charging documents carefully, and you should, you will see that it gets even more ridiculous. It turns out that one of the five people in the planned Gretchen Whitmer kidnap van was an FBI agent in the van. Another was an FBI informant. And the feds admitted in these documents that an informant or undercover agent was, quote, usually present in the group's meetings. In other words, using simple math, which we can do even on cable news, nearly half the gang of kidnappers were working for the FBI. Remember the guy who suggested using a bomb to blow up a bridge as part of that plot? That got a lot of coverage. That guy was an undercover FBI agent. Oh, okay. So if you're wondering why they're always comparing January 6th to 9-11, there's your answer. They're using the same tactics. I want to turn now to our politics lead, an FBI warning to lawmakers that QAnon followers may start targeting them with actual violence. It's there's CNN being the good liberal flax they are. But within this revolver, which is not a conservative website, and I quote, in the year leading up to 1-6 and during 1-6 itself, to what extent were the three primary militant groups, the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, and the Three Percenters, that the FBI, DOJ, Pentagon, and Network News had labeled more, most responsible for planning and executing capital attack on 1-6, infiltrated by agencies of the federal government or informants of said agencies? Exactly how many federal undercover agents or confidential informants were present at the Capitol or in the Capitol during the infamous siege, and what role did they play, merely passive informants, or active instigators. Finally, of all the unindicted co-conspirators referenced in the charging documents of those indictments for crimes on 1-6, how many worked as a confidential informant or an undercover operative for the federal government? How many? Do we know? No. Will we ever know? No. Then there's this case, which on the show, we covered and showed the guy ranting in front of an anarchist flag which clearly made him not mega and why is this so damning why do i start my show with this without apologizing 
for the last show and the volume being totally ass fucked. I don't know what happened. I really don't know what happened. I, it was in the same plugs and levels were the same, but something went bonkers. I don't get it, but now I've turned the game down. Well, I mean, who let the protesters in? If we know the FBI was part of this, if we know that FBI knew FBI was part of it, that means Nancy Pelosi knew. She's in charge of security of the House. They all knew and they let it happen. And why did they let it happen? And more importantly, after Hillary's emails, Wiener's emails, the simple fact that we know that Hunter Biden's laptop has been in the possession of the FBI for 18, what, 24 months? And nothing's happened with it? As an American citizen, not a mega guy, not a follower of Trumpism or QAnon or tower shooters or all the things I've been accused of being. In fact, I've sent this to people that I thought were friends and they didn't even respond because they don't want to respond because this blows the narrative that Trump incited a riot and it blows the narrative that the FBI is an objective organization that hasn't been compromised by woke. Not the Democrats, woke. Every time we cover something about the federal government right now, we find out that every institution is woke. The intersectionality, Kendi X, anti-racist woke has made them no longer objective. They're just not objective. They seem like they only persecute crimes on the right. And being that I'm not from woke, that's disturbing. Which, by the way, let me see if I can get that in. Look at that sexiness right there. I need to make sure I do this. Bro made this on a 3D printer. That is a kick-ass AR mount. It snaps into your magazine well. You literally have to push the button to get it out. And it is, man, it's sexy. This is way nice. Thank you, bro. I finally got it mounted. I didn't last time. I was going to have a beer because he brought me my case of or <laughs> two 18-packs of fucking Henry Weinhardt's that will take me years to drink, but it's, it's 5.30 in the morning, so I can't have a beer. Anyway, um, this 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 is just like COVID to me. And I was having a big conversation with my wife the other day, and she's like, you know, I, I don't think it's true. I don't think that the media and such are suppressing the Wuhan lab for money. And I said, you're right, honey. They're not. You can't have a narrative that Donald Trump murdered 500,000 people and is to blame for COVID so we can win an election if you admit Chinese Chinese lab that we financed Fauci, the guy that's better than Trump, financed it, and that gets out. We can't win the election because the blame won't stick. Up until that point, they didn't have any blame. And the 
Capital is the same thing. For never Trumpers, they just want him gone. They want him purged from the matrix. And the only way to do that is to get something that's really vile. So we say he incited the riot because he did a stupid fucking speech on the Capitol. Once again, none of this excuses his speech, which was stupid. None of it excuses the actions of people who followed along with these co-conspirators and did trespass and those that were tussling with cops because nobody got beaten with pipes or weapons or knives or ARs or fucking fire extinguishers. None of that's true. We know that now. Nothing excuses those actions. But to act as if those actions are worse than a summer that I, I could play another video. I won't. A burning, looting, beating, murdering on our streets under the guise of social justice while it's financed by your vice president who's releasing people over and over and over. Yeah, that's not the same thing. And to sit in, to this day, have the president of the United States overseas, which we're going to get to in a bit, bashing Republicans and talking about murdered cops that is untrue. He didn't die because of the riot. He died of a stroke. Natural causes. Nobody was murdered except for Ashley Babbitt, and we just still don't know why she was murdered. And why does it matter? Well, there were three cops in battle gear and AR that walked right past that group. They were right next to them, and they didn't arrest her. But somebody shot her in the face. And if she was black, and it was social justice, or Kavanaugh hearing where they stormed the Capitol and it was okay, it wasn't the Civil War 9-11, we'd be up in arms. It has nothing to do with the actions of the people. It has nothing to do with Trump. It has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with application of the law in an equitable manner, regardless of race, color, creed, ideology, religion. That's what this country's based on. And people that hate Trump can't concept that. They just can't. Never Trumpers are such in a loop. They are stuck in the part of the matrix where evil is anybody who doesn't agree with me because you're evil and you're letting trump exist trump doesn't exist you've wiped him off the grid he has no social media has no he is the only politician we've ever done that to hillary got to stay along for another administration talking about how russia stole it a certifiable lie now we know this. We spent $30 million and did an investigation for two, three years, and we know that's not true. He, he wasn't a Russian stooge. His kids weren't Russian stooges. 130,000 of bots didn't change the election. But we're sitting at a point, an inflection point in our country, where either we're going to allow one party get away with everything and the tools and levers of our federal government be allowed to persecute only those that don't agree with woke, or we're not. 
Tucker Carlson's very soundbite on this subject done by reporters has notes on it that validates what he says. Federal informants don't get charged. Of course they don't. FBI agents who infiltrate things and commit crimes are absolved from it. We understand that. We've watched Law & Order, SVU, and all the other ones. But if because you don't like a political person, it's okay to no longer have an opinion on social media, no longer talk against the grain. That's not America, and that's what we're doing just because you don't like Trump. And somehow that validates it is okay because there's only one opinion on everything now. You either believe 1-6 is the worst thing since the Civil War, or you're a Nazi. That's not America. Because now as we find out with everything else in the Trump era, it's a lie. The whole thing's a lie. I mean, we've lost the ability to say two things are true. People shouldn't trespass. Because that's what they did. And the federal government shouldn't be able to persecute only people who trespass for conservative reasons, but can trespass, loot, burn, burn courthouses. They're okay. They get released from charges. We can say that, hey, the justice system seems to be persecuting more people of color And we need to fix that. At the same time, say somebody shouldn't be able to murder somebody and go back on the street because bail is racist. Every time we peel the onion, boys and girls, we find everything's a lie. Everything. It's a complete lie. None of it's true. It's always false. It's always been just a narrative. <clears throat> Hot take. Biden shouldn't have crapped all over the whole GOP and NATO summit. It doesn't matter if you agree with this analysis. If you ever trotted out politics should end in the water's edge to condemn Republicans, you should condemn this too. It was totally inappropriate. I think it's fine for the U.S. president, when abroad, to condemn terrorists backing anti-democratic forces. Here's Biden doing that. Going to sustain that kind of behavior. And so I, uh, you know, I don't want to get into these statistics because, you know, that old phrase is Israelis, there's three kinds of lies, lies, damn lies, and statistics. But I think it's appropriate to say that um, the Republican Party is vastly diminished in numbers. The leadership of the Republican Party is fractured, and the Trump wing of the party is the bulk of the party, but it makes up a significant minority of the American people. And we'll see. That used to be inappropriate. That was things you just didn't do. You just didn't do it. As a president, you didn't do it. I remember under the times of Obama that that was inappropriate. 
But now, there's no outrage. Ian McKelvey. Lots of things have been memory hold related to Trump's time in office. First, we've heard a lot about the so-called insurrection that was ordered by Trump. Barricades broken down. Federal property was vandalized. Politicians rushed to protective room. Trump took shelter in the White House bunker as protests raged. Protesters breached the temporary fence in their White House complex, prompted Secret Service to move Trump to secure bunker. See, people forget that that was the narrative. He was a coward. And let's not forget Trump's act of fascism where he used federal forces to clear innocent protesters from a park so he could stage a photo op. Only that didn't happen. Also, a peaceful protester burned the church down. Yeah, we covered that last podcast. And it was, you know, not a big deal. We don't care. Never Trumpers aren't going, ooh, maybe we were wrong. Nope, no, we're not. If Trump was so bad and truly a fascist, why was he falsely accused and blamed for things he didn't do? No Russian collusion, no incitement of insurrection, no misuse of federal forces to crush protesters. On and on. It's fucking ridiculous and shameful. My slideshow is just going to be all fucked up because anyway I do this, for some reason the apps aspect ratio will not stay right. More lies from leftists. Trump called immigrants animals. No, he didn't. He specifically referred to the worst of the criminal illegals that were being deported for their crimes. This is another hate crime host. Regarding Trump using federal troops to forcefully remove racial justice protests in a park, even Joe Biden lied about it. Everyone on the political left lied about it. Shot chaser. The Charlottesville very fine people hoax. Another lie. Even real clear politics had to fact check it. How about Russian collusion? Adam Schiff claimed to have an irrefutable concrete proof of collusion. Question, why didn't he hand the evidence over to Mueller? Even NPR had admitted no evidence of collusion. Sorry. Many years from now, I think historians will look back on the unimaginable lies and conspiracy theories that were lobbed at Trump. The hoaxes, the impeachments. Frankly, it's the worst thing I've seen in all my years following politics. If you wonder why I come on here and I seem like I'm mega, that's the reason I seem like I'm mega, but I'm not. The only thing they said about him that was actually true is his tweets were fucking embarrassing and he was unpresidential. My wife, who never liked him, just like George Bush felt sorry for him by the end. Because it's the same shit. They were allowed, because of their disdain for somebody, to just lie repeatedly. But the problem with this lie is, specifically 1-6, it's the words of violence. We're always talking about violence, but not this. 
now for what I'm calling the 60-second rant. Start the clock. Republicans and some Democrats lined up to slam Ilhan Omar this week because they said she equated the US and Israel with the Taliban and Hamas. She didn't. She pointed out that the International Criminal Court is right to investigate potential war crimes by all of those parties. And look, Americans get very upset when our nation is accused of war crimes, but I'm sorry to break this to you. Our nation has done some pretty awful things abroad, and we have to be able to talk about them. Take the Korean War. Does the no gun knee massacre in 1950, in which US forces are accused of deliberately firing on and killing hundreds of refugees, including kids, not count as a war crime? How about the bombing of civilians in Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, the My Lai massacre? What about Iraq? Was Abu Ghraib not a war crime? Didn't we all see with our own eyes the images of those tortured Iraqi prisoners? In my view, we don't prosecute enough war criminals in this country. And some of those who have been prosecuted were just pardoned by the last president and are walking free. Look, this isn't about saying the United States is as bad as the Taliban. Of course it isn't. It's about saying war crimes should be condemned and prosecuted regardless of who commits them. I mean, it's bad enough that we have conservatives today who don't want the crimes we committed against black and Native Americans taught in our schools. But to have liberals saying that our crimes abroad should also be censored and that those who raised them, like Omar, are apologists for terrorist groups, that is outrageous and that is unforgivable. So yet another tragic reminder that Islamophobia is a murderous ideology, not just a bunch of offensive or bigoted words, not just a cynical political device used by Republicans to rile up their base. It leads to violence. And yet these days, thanks partly to a certain former president and reality TV star, it's mainstream. I want you to remember, under the Trump era, there was no white supremacist going and shooting people. In fact, the inverse happened. Bernie supporters shot up a baseball field, and we blamed Trump in the media. There was no roving bands of white people terrorizing black neighborhoods. The inverse is true. We have taken this whole BLM shit to this level with CNN. Chrome McQuarrie is one reason these residents want to break away from Atlanta, but critics say a split would devastating to the city. They won't do anything anymore because they're doing that shit. WAPO, amid a surge of violence, Atlanta's wealthiest neighbors ponders new city of their own, and they're bad people because they're sick of it. And while all this is going on, and this is what the media is focused on, man accused of shooting five people in Alabama, Georgia, allegedly said he was targeting white men. I had to have them. Columbus police, who, that's Columbus, Fort Benning. It was racially motivated, and I couldn't get this video. Let me see if I can get it to work. Uh, he's he's mumbling, but we'll go through the the frickin' article. Um, where am I at on this? Hold on a second, so I make sure I read correctly. Yeah, we're at the beginning. Okay. The 39-year-old man charged in a weekend shooting spree told Columbus police his assaults were racially motivated, targeting white men he felt had taken from him all his life, and detective testified Monday. Though police alleged Justin Tyron Roberts were involved in three separate assaults and wounded five people Friday and Saturday in Columbus and Phoenix City, he was in Columbus Recorder Court for face charges in just one of those incidents, a shooting around 2 p.m. Saturday under the Oglethorpe Bridge at Broadway and Fort Street in downtown Columbus. Drove there all the time. There was a man was shot in the back. He was getting into his vehicle in a parking area under the bridge, said Detective Brandon Lockhart, a quote of Roberts telling him, I had to have him. The victim was hit once in the back by four bullets that hit the vehicle, and police found six shell casings. 
Under questioning by public defender Robert King, Lockhart elaborated on what Roberts, who was black, told him during an interview at police headquarters. Basically explained throughout his life, specifically white males had taken from him. And he also, what he described as military-looking white males had taken from him, the investigator said. Roberts also claimed that such men were shooting at him in wooded areas with a slingshot and the wounds had inflicted his skin, Lockhart testified. Police saw no injuries to substantiate that. When police patrolling downtown area found Roberts about two hours after the Oglethorpe Bridge shooting, he was sitting on steps outside 425 3rd Avenue, Lockhart said. They found he had a Taurus 9mm pistol that had been stolen on Thursday. King asked Judge Julius Hunter to order mental health evaluation. The officer's testimonies demonstrated that Mr. Roberts being having delusional and disconnected from reality. Where did he get that from? Where? Where did he get that from? What possibly could make a black male want to go kill white people? What? Could it be rhetoric forever? We're now getting into some scary times, boys and girls. Scary times. Because we don't bring that out. The AP, as this next article in Austin shows, unusual. Police have only released a vague description of a suspected shooter on Saturday morning. The American statesman is not including the description as it is too vague at this time to be useful in identifying the shooter. And such publications could be harmful in perpetrating stereotypes. That's how far we've gone. We can't say an African-American man in dreadlocks because that's racist. AP, which I don't have a slide, will no longer name suspects in minor crimes. Associated Press said Tuesday will no longer run the name. This is Associated Press talking about the Associated Press. It's the weirdest article ever. Run the names of people charged with minor crimes out of concern that such stories can have long damage afterlife on the Internet that can make it hard for individuals to move on with their lives. And so doing so, one of the world's biggest news gathering organizations is waiting to debate over an issue that wasn't of much concern before the rise of search engines when finding information of people after require going through yellow newspaper clippings. Often the AP will publish a minor story, say, about a person arrested for stripping naked and dancing drunkenly atop a bar that will hold some brief interest regionally or even nationally and be forgotten the next day. But the name of the person arrested will live on forever online, even though the charges are dropped or the person's acquitted, said John Demisky's AP vice president. And that's all a lie. You know what it is. It's the fact that they're black. And this is coming online everywhere. Man charged with stabbing middle schooler to death in random attack days after his third arrest. Victim white. Dozens wounded in four weekend mass shootings across four cities as police chiefs brace for bloody summer. OSU students. Furious after university reports black-on-white hate crime. Hundred students protested and took social media on to cry out Ohio State's actions after black-on-white hate crime took place. The Ohio State University followed federal law in reporting the incident to students. And, of course, now they've recanted it because you can't. Portland, this is the Washington Post, about the homeless and violence in an area. And, of course, in the article, the people that are upset with it are pieces of fucking garbage. 
Representative Byron Donald explains, as a black man in America, I'm not allowed to have my own thoughts. Sounds like this. And what's implicit, but pretty clear here, is that in that statement, they're basically saying they don't think you share their values and priorities for the constituents they serve. And I I wonder what your reaction is to that. My reaction is pretty simple. Uh, First, you know, I heard about this report uh, yesterday when BuzzFeed, I think, is the one that broke the article. Um, We've not really heard much from the CBC since they asked me when I came in as as a new member in the 117th if whether I would join or not. It's important for your viewers to understand that when I served in Florida's uh, Florida's uh, legislature, I was a part of the Legislative Black Caucus for four years. I've actually been to a couple of the CBC conferences in Washington, D.C. I'm a poor kid from Brooklyn, New York. I'm 42 years old. I've been able to be successful in my life. So whether it's talking about jobs or, yes, even voting rights or, or anything that the CBC wants to talk about, I have a perspective being a 42-year-old uh, black man who's come up in America um, after the, a lot of the battles through the civil rights movement that I think is actually will be helpful and a helpful perspective to the CBC. Whether they want to take a, take advantage of that is really up to them. Um, but it's something that I've, I've actually expressed interest in joining. I think having a wider range of discussions from all sides of the political framework is important, not just for Black America, but all America. You have questioned the election, the veracity of the election. The 2020 election was verifiably secure, but this questioning, questioning of the election, with which many Republicans have done, is the basis, really, for all of the bills that we have seen across so many states that, if passed, will effectively reduce voting access of black Americans. Do you think that that is something that might be incongruent with the mission of the CBC? Well, first of all, what's what's going on or with whatever going on with the 2020 election, that has nothing to do with this at all. Uh, Number two, I would say, if you actually look at the bills that have been passed in Florida, Georgia, um, actually black Americans and all Americans, whether you live in those states, have more access to the ballot, not less. Those are the facts because I've read both bills. And number three, again, I'll say it like I said before, I'm 42 years old. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. I come from a single parent household. I know what it is to actually have to grow up coming out of the inner city in today's America because I've done it. I think those perspectives are helpful. Whether the CBC wants to take advantage of that is up to them, Um, but I'm here to tell you and your viewers, and frankly, the entire country, that I'm willing to be a part of that conversation because it is important as we navigate uh, our country forward that we have people who have all kinds of political perspectives, not just one. It's a long interview, but he goes on to say, you know, hey, as a black man in America, I'm allowed to have my own thoughts. No, you're not to them. We screamed for four years about fascism from Mr. Tweets a lot. That's real. Those are his statements. They got all sorts of agencies going after people. Adam Kinziger, I couldn't get the fucking video. And, um, Whatchamacallit, I didn't I'm not gonna play it because it's really long, but Gosar said that Ashley Babbitt was killed. She was executed. And this, of course, is Adam Kinziger. You're sick, Paul. Sadly, truth is Ashley was manipulated by people like you and breached the area and put lives in danger, despite being repeatedly warned not to. The real criminals are a liar abusing people for political power. Liz Cheney on January 6th is a violent mob advanced. I don't have hers advanced on the house chamber i was standing 
I was standing there, Gosar, and helped him open his gas mask. Capitol Police led us to safety. It is disgusting, despicable to see Gosar lie about that day and smear the men and women who defended us. He, he didn't smear anybody. She was executed. That, that's what happened. If it doesn't fit your predetermined talking points to get rid of Trump's, sorry. Because I'm not doing it based on, um, I'm not doing any of this based on fucking opinion or politics. The video clearly shows three men in tactical gear with ARs walked right past that group. They didn't care. Why did they shoot her in the face? And using the same fucking principles you would use for a peaceful burn shit down protest. I'm just asking. I mean, here are two opposing things that have happened ever since we now say it's okay for one party to be violent. Oh, Vince Holland. Oh, wait, oh, respect me, bitch! If Trump was calling the police the enemy and releasing people to do what they're doing all over this country, we would say that he has incited people to be violent. He's incited people to shoot the cops. Because all this ever was about, it, it, it has nothing to do with right and wrong. It's just about elections. Whatever your personal politics are, whatever side of the aisle you find yourself on, you need to know that your vote matters and the outcome of our elections are not maneuvered and manipulated. In Texas, Georgia, and Florida, and 44 other states, there's a radical wing of the Republican Party that is actively dismantling Americans' rights to vote. This whole problem with the For the People Act and dealing with all of the voting restriction bills passed around the country by state legislatures, by Republicans, is that we're, we really can't be looking at the vote casting. And a lot of Democratic messaging has been on that. We have to focus on the vote counting and how corruptible it will be with the passage of these bills, how partisan and, and, and potentially rigged it will be. There's a lot of talk about water bottles and a lot of talk about closing windows for requesting an absentee ballot and how that disenfranchises voters of color. And that- Americans for Prosperity is still going, along with its other partners in the Koch network, waging a behind-the-scenes effort to stop progressive priorities like the For the People Act and launching a Tea Party version 
2.0 campaign to target President Biden's infrastructure plan. None of them read the bills. None of them understand that the very counties are freaking out about and states that Democrats come from are worse. None of them covered that the For the People Act is just to take over federal elections so they never lose again. Because we're finding out all sorts of stuff. Fulton County under state investigation for allegedly violating drop box rules. Restoring confidence in our election is going to be impossible as long as Fulton County elections leadership continue to fail the voters of Fulton County and the voters of Georgia. They need new leadership to step up and take charge. New revelations that Fulton County is unable to produce all ballot drop box transfer documents will be investigated thoroughly as we have with other counties that failed to follow Georgia rules. Georgia Republican Secretary of State Raspberry opened up an investigation because it's all bullshit. But what do we have? This is what we have. Two minutes and 40 seconds on the For the Takeover of Elections Act and all the restrictive 96% negative GOP bills that actually do nothing but do what the people want. Black people want voter ID because you've made them since 2016 believe that elections are malleable and Trump stole it. Here's a CNN douche nozzle. GOP leader Kevin McCarthy tells Fox and Friends, I will promise you this, if we are fortunate enough to have the majority, Omar would not be serving on a foreign affairs committee or anybody that has an anti-Semitic or anti-American view. Dems move to strip Major Terry Green will be cited by ours to strip Dems like Omar and Stalwell on the committee assignments if GOP takes majority. Hey, you figured it out. Yeah. Yeah, they, they do the same thing you're doing. Then you have this liar. Clinton 1993 deficit reduction plan, zero Republicans. Obama's 2010 health care, zero Republicans. Biden code of relief plan, zero Republicans. The modern GOP response to Democratic governments is total resistance. Obviously dishonest nonsense. Yes, Republicans have opposed some ideas from Dems. They have supported others. Under Clinton, Brady Act passed 6336, 14Rs. NAFTA passed 7326, 28Rs. 94 Crime Bill passed 95 to 4. 96 Welfare passed 78 to 21. I'm going to put this up every time. Every fucking time. We know the Koch brothers. We know Mitch McConnell said, we will block Obama. We will block Biden. But when Democrats blocked Trump for four years from taking a shit, it was saving democracy. That's what they always say. Always. 90% of all Georgia mail-in ballots went to Biden. 90%. Once again, if you didn't fucking cheat, people wouldn't get upset. But it's clearly obvious with these huge drops and all the mail-in ballots were Democrat, something was up. 
and you spent four years telling us that Trump stole it with Russia. This is Deborah Messing. That's okay. But the inverse is not okay. Not at all. It's just... The thing that angers me is in your zeal to get rid of Trump and just give up all intellectual honesty. This is our president now. Joe Biden fiddles with a flashcard of anti-Trump talking points during a press conference in England. Uh, Biden brandishing the card labeled DOJ talking points while speaking Sunday in Cornwall. Uh, The cards include a number of pre-planned answers. That's including a claim that Trump, quote, abused power and that his Justice Department was out of control. This is the DOJ inspector general has recently opened a review into the Trump era seizure of some House Democrats and staff data during a 2018 investigation into leaks about the Russia probe. In this hearing, Mr. President, uh, uh, you say that there is no substitute for face-to-face dialogue and also with what you said at NATO that the biggest problems right now are Russia and China. Uh, You've spoken many times about how you've spent perhaps more time with President Xi than any other world leader. So is there going to become a time where you might call him old friend to old friend and ask him to open up China to the World Health Organization investigators who are trying to get to the bottom of COVID-19? Let's get something straight. We know each other well. We're not old friends. It's just pure business. President, since you're now heading home, can I just ask you briefly about two domestic issues? The- I'm not sure I can answer them, but if you could. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to get in trouble with staff. I don't do this the right way. Jennifer Jacob Bloomberg. I'm going to get in trouble with my my staff. Yeah, go ahead. But I pretend that you didn't answer you. Looking for my mask. I'm in trouble. Yeah. They're suffering at what this moment. What do you moment. say to the folks in India? Well, I'm sorry. I'm going to just the last question I'll take, and I, I'm really going to be in trouble. What the fuck is that? And I played it in our intro, but this is um, reporters waiting for Biden arrival. Joke about their questions. What do you think of the vice president's trip, Mr. President? When are you going to border, Mrs. Mr. President? Where's Hunter? What ice cream did you? What kind of gift did you bring? Interviewing and photographing the person vacuuming the red carpet. History in Geneva. Scrum and fights. But they're not going to answer all that shit. They're never going to answer it. It's so fucking bad. People are people are making fucking jokes like this. Have you heard about this videotape that kills you when you watch it? You start to play it, and it's like somebody's nightmare. Where? Um, we can work together with Russia. For example, uh, in, uh, in Libya, we should be opening up the, 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 the passes to be able to go through and provide, uh, provide uh, um, food assistance and economic assistance, I mean, vital assistance to uh, a population that's in real trouble. 
I think I'm going to try very much hard to uh, it is and by the way there's places where I shouldn't be starting off and negotiating in public here but let me say it this way and suddenly this woman comes on smiling at you right seeing you through the screen and as soon as it's over your phone rings Someone knows you've watched it. And what they say is... He's a fucking train wreck. I mean, my God, we talked about... We spent four years talking about Trump's lack of everything he he's mentally unstable he's not good world leaders erupt in laughter as biden forgets the uk pm boris johnson only introduced the president of south africa biden press conference says he's hopeful that he can find an accommodation where u.s russia can uh, save the lives of people in libya he meant syria joe biden confuses syria with libya three fucking times the pause. What the fuck? Two hours. I didn't say anything. And I want to play this because once again, this was an attack on freedom of speech. In the spirit, Mr. President, of uh, you saying that there is no substitute for face-to-face dialogue, and also with what you said at NATO, that the biggest problems right now are Russia and China. Uh, You've spoken many times about how you've spent perhaps more time with President Xi than any other world leader. So is there going to become a time where you might call him, old friend to old friend, and ask him to open up China to the World Health Organization investigators who are trying to get to the bottom of COVID-19. Let's get something straight. We know each other well. We're not old friends. Why are you so confident he'll change his behavior, Mr. President? Yeah, I'm not confident he'll change his behavior. What do you do all the time? So when did I say I was confident? You I said, said in the next six months I said, what I said was, let's get it straight. I said what will change their behavior is that the rest of the world reacts to them and it diminishes their standing in the world. I'm not confident of anything. I'm just stating the fact. But given his past behavior has not changed, and in that press conference after sitting down with you for several hours, he denied any involvement in cyber attacks, he downplayed human rights abuses, he even refused to say Alexei Navalny's name. So how does that account to a constructive meeting as President, President Putin? President? You don't understand that you're in the wrong business. Using what we said about Trump, she's a woman. That's that's no dice. That that's no moss. You you can't do that. You can't yell at the press. How he treated Peter Ducey. The thing about it is, and I didn't put it up to Aaron Rupaw. I told President Putin, good thing Biden clarified I was joking there. We just talked about basic love that dealt with it gift showing him put his glasses on that's our journalist that's our journalism i'm not even putting them up that that's journalism they were getting off on the fact that he talks shit to Ducey. 
who's the only person asking questions. And oh, by the way, he asked the same questions of Trump during the Trump era. But, you know, he's a journalist and shit. Yeah, you know. Am I understand that the Washington Post reporter asked Biden a question about the Republican Party at the NATO conference, but not one about China? Is a single journalist over there capable of asking Joe Biden what his answer is for when China refuses to cooperate with the WHO and the U.S. in the COVID-19 investigation just once? He just can't stop bad-mouthing America. He can't instead of question. He can't, instead of questions of China, Russia, Iran, those left-wing PR machines called the media are asking about Trump and Republicans. No questions about China. Eight million people dead from COVID. But yeah, Republicans bad. I'm not playing it again, but you know, no. I really don't know why a NATO summit is a proper venue for the president to ruminate on the failings of a party with zero power in the United States. They're in charge of nothing. But that's what our transcriber ops department, Terry Moran, he was asked about the impact of Great Disruptor in his movement, which is part of the global movement of movements on the alliance and the America's relationship with the members of it. Really? Okay. Okay. Biden, once again, only takes questions from pre-approved lists of reporters at NATO press conference. Over 100 reporters waited nearly three hours for a 25-minute press conference from Joe Biden. He only took five questions before exiting. Did he just say the proof is in the pudding and the eating? The proof is in the pudding is the eating, says Joe Biden. We'll see. I believe that uh, by us standing up, and saying what we believe to be the case, not engaging in the, the overwhelming hyperbole that gets engaged in by so many today, that um, we, uh, I, I guess that old expression, the proof is puddings and eating. When we said, when I said I was going to deal with beating the virus. Yeah. Yeah, I just took a fucking Prilosec before I vomited. That's not a saying. And once again, using your standards, never Trump, supposed conservatives, and media, that'd be a whole day. Why did he say that? There is nothing. Is there something wrong with the president? He's got a mental condition. And they bring on the fired psychologist on CNN who would say, oh, wait a minute, hold the phone. Yeah, I I believe he has schizophrenia. His objective and commitment is being trans is to bring transparency and truth back to government to share the truth, even when it's hard to hear. Press secretary says about President Biden in the first press briefing of the Biden administration. Biden is abroad doing a big push on democracy versus autocracy, but the U.S. press, a key part of any functioning democracy, has gotten less access than under previous administration and is now forced to resort to updates on, on from the Turkish government Twitter account. Mindy, I follow her on Twitter. Y'all are essentially the communication wing of the DNC. He knows he doesn't have to respect you. Weird, huh? Red State said. This is not the B. Joe Biden to give Boris a hand in sausage war as he tries to beat off EU. 
This is what they're saying. Joe Biden did not embarrass our country today. He did, bro. Try to follow the news a little bit more closely if you're going to comment on it. Painfully bad tweet. Just embarrassed himself, but they, hey, we knew the press conference would kneecap him every time. I hope you told Biden that after he said Libya three times on a talking about Syria. He did. They were laughing at him several times. So bad, Chris Spielberg, they had to come in and fucking clean it up. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan confirms that the president meant to say Syria when he said Libya three times. Private pile, three times! Here's Britt Hume. He confused Syria with Libya three times in the same remark. And if this was a one-off, you could say, hey, yeah, you know, he just misspoke. This is every press conference. But our NPR better here, Yamichi Alcinder. Yeah, let's let's see what she has to say. Reporter to Biden, do you trust Putin? Do you trust each other? Biden looks directly at the porter and nodded firmly with his aviators. Hmm. Print pool inside a pooler shouted, Mr. President, do you trust Putin? Biden nodded yes up and down. Another pooler asked Putin if he favored Navalny and what he would do if Ukraine joined NATO. He looked up and did not respond. We're going to get on to that in a second, but I want to get to the bullshit. Majority of Americans trust Biden to negotiate with foreign leaders. 509 adults, 52%. Okay, so not talking in account the heavily biased polling because it was 52% Democrats. The world goes cave. Two great powers, the U.S. president said, complimenting Russia at the start of Biden. I remember when complimenting Putin was bad. What does Putin have on Biden, people were asking. And then you get to time. That's the cover. Now remember, this was the cover for Trump. But that's the cover now. With his faggoty-ass aviator glasses. Before we get to her, it's our media jerk-off of the week. I am a politic, the media jerk-off of the week. Tonight, we wanted to end with what we've witnessed here in Geneva, the Swiss city of peace. 
The president's summit started with a handshake, but the initial efforts to cover it turned chaotic. With the Russians trying to force the press from the room with shoving, as if to cut short a meeting the international journalists seemed hungry to document. A moment to solve problems face to face, not with confrontation, but with conversation. It's worth noting that Joseph R. Biden began his presidency declaring American diplomacy is back. Today, he said all foreign policy is the logical extension of personal relationships. And that is the test and perhaps the legacy-defining moment for President Biden, whether his personal relationships will change anything, as our 46th president makes the case that diplomacy, dialogue, and democracy are America's greatest experts. questions, but uh, we did see a handshake, uh, a pretty significant handshake, Clarissa, from these two leaders, the Russian president, the U.S. president, uh, the opening statement from the uh, Swiss president uh, translated into Russian and then English. Yes, welcome to the city of peace, he said, and wishing fruitful conversations, not just for your countries, but for the entire world. And I think that's part of what's important to remember here when we're looking at the summit, when we're looking at the historical significance, potentially. This isn't just about the U.S. and Russia sitting down for a conversation. This is about democracies challenged by authoritarian regimes. Many countries across the world will be looking to see what happens today, whether anything can be taken out of it and turned into something more productive. You know, these moments are about moments. And I'll tell you one moment I noticed there in the Biden-Putin interaction. The handshake, Biden looked Putin in the eye with a smile, Putin looked away. Again, you don't want to read too much or too little, but, but again, these are about public posturing. It's about how you project strength. And that, that was a notable moment to me as you watched Who them goes take care. He, uh, you know, certainly um, was comfortable in that moment, taking off his jacket, uh, answering these questions from some top foreign policy reporters in the audience that he doesn't always call on. Wolf, as we assess this trip, this is why Joe Biden ran for president. This is why he decided to come back into the arena to challenge former President Donald Trump because he wanted to strengthen the transatlantic alliance. Good evening, and it's great to have you with us as we start another week together here. And we begin tonight with President Biden making global headlines late this afternoon on his eight-day foreign trip. Tonight, a NATO summit in Brussels and the president pushing that message that America is back. And unlike his predecessor, who called NATO obsolete, President Biden calling attention to NATO's Article 5, that an attack on one is an attack on all, that NATO is rock solid in his words and a sacred commitment. The leaders of the 30-nation alliance gathering for a group photo, recognizing aggression from Russia, also for the first time acknowledging as a group the growing military threat from China and agreeing to tackle new challenges from cyber warfare to disinformation campaigns to anti-missile defense. We begin tonight with President Biden reaffirming America's role on the global stage. I was about to use the phrase uh, pragmatic diplomacy, and then we've got a, a somewhat, um, I think the president got his back up there a little angry. bit, Casey, about the implication that somehow he was he was expressing confidence that, that Putin changed his behavior, um, and then dis pretty dismissive of the follow-up question as if you don't understand how diplomacy works. And I think that that, I feel like that was him saying, and, and there's going to perhaps be some, we had it among folks on our air, who said he's really got to push back on the on the whataboutisms and he's got to 
um, do this and some saying that maybe he didn't do it. Yeah. He clearly had a posture of what I was, the phrase I want to use, which is pragmatic diplomacy. Like, look, he is who he is. You, you know, we know where we stand. I think I know where he stands. We express this and we'll see what happens, right? It was this, I'm not going to sit here and say it's going to go great. What were they watching? I was working on this podcast, making all these slides, which takes most of the time. And once again, you got to number them and you put them in files and it always gets fucked up and it's never aspect ratio. It's so, it's just disappointing. My wife tuned to it. And what time, Jim Scudo, did he project strength? He doesn't project strength. I mean, you could say Trump's a bullhard. But he projected strength, bullheaded strength. All Biden projects is woke. But it didn't matter. It's like a speech. It's like uh, the, the fucking conventions. It's like debates. It doesn't matter what the Dem does. That's what you get. Ten minutes of he is awesome. He is America. We're so lucky because they're all sycophants. Whereas with Trump, he killed koi fish because he put too much food in. Do we remember that? Every little thing. And once again, that's, that's the standard now. You made it the standard, never Trumpers and media. This is the standard. We are going to fucking nitpick every phrase, every fucking syllable, and we're going to say it's un-American. Unpresidential. Embarrassing the country. Showing weakness. Our allies hate us. They were openly mocking the President of the United States because he's a geriatric. And you knew it when you voted for him. Because mean man tweet. And in his country right now, we have North Korean defectors saying this. History was forgotten. They don't tell us Big Bang or even the Jesus Christ or whatever the theory says how we came about as a humanity is not taught. So when I was at school though, you know, I was excited about like learning about history and you know, how the people thought back then. And one of the person at the organization was asking who is like loves Jane Austen and and who reads this classical books. And I was like, I love those books. I just like thought it was a good thing, right? And then she was like, did you know that those writers who had a colonial mindset were racist and bigots wrote their books so they are uh, subconsciously brainwashing you and that's like when i realized wow this is insane i'm like i literally thought i thought america was that different and i just saw so much similarity that i saw in north korea and i was started worrying about this country mainstream education is purposefully designed to now make resent this Western democracy. It's, uh, right, like the things that I was wanting at school are appalling, right? They tried to explain things from everything was all about white men and how they tried to overpower and, you know, like how white men destroyed the humanity, right? They, Mao killed the most people than on this human history. He killed like 15 millions of Chinese. 
She's spot on. We live in that world right now. Oh, Tony, you're being too much. Well, remember under Trump when this was xenophobic, racist, and made you a Nazi? And I want to emphasize that the goal of our work is to help Guatemalans find hope at home. At the same time, I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. What the vice president was simply conveying is that there's more work to be done, uh, that we don't have these systems in place yet. It's still a dangerous journey, as we've said many times uh, from here and from many forums before. And uh, we need more time to get the work done to, to ensure that asylum processing is where it should be. Your standard. Yours. That's xenophobic. You can't do it. This is just her protesting when he did it. Now it's okay. Nobody in the media is showing that. Here's all the flip-flops. Oh, no, it's not. Sorry, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> but we close to go to a hypocrisy, a short media section. On what I just, once again, I'm going to talk ahead of time. Your standards, every word, every utterance of every person who's not woke is held against the GOP. And once again, I'm not GOP. I'm just saying these are your standards that everything anybody said. I mean, we ran a whole election on Rush Limbaugh. He was the leader of the, Dem of the Republican Party. That was, those are words that were said in the media. And Chuck Schumer gets to use the word retarded, retarded kids, which is ableist. She can say, don't come and be xenophobic. Biden can forget his fucking name. We don't even fact check anymore. And this initiative actually will house the homeless population that is actually living on our streets. We see them every day. Yes. We're about to yes. house them. And they're against it. It's, it, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I, I have found that my whole career. They wanted to build, a, uh, in when I first was assemblyman, mm -hmm. they wanted to build a, a congregate living place for retarded children. The whole neighborhood was against it. These are home. Some local leaders also calling for action, fearing gun violence will only continue to rise. A pretty unusual statement from a U.S. senator. This is Democrat Chris Murphy of Connecticut, who, when he was in the House, represented the district where Sandy Hook, Newtown, uh, where that school is. So obviously he knows a lot about mass shootings in America. He's calling out Republicans. This is what he wrote. He said, when Congress returns to work on Monday, 
half the members elected to protect the country won't give a shit about the mass shootings. We need to have a serious discussion about dot, 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 dot. No, we needed to have a serious discussion years ago. We need to have... Now, listen, listen. I'll, it's I'll, coffee. I wouldn't I'm, do that. To you. I wouldn't for, do that to you. I'm so what do, what do you? Takes, but what do you? What, 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 what do you mean by that? Do you mean like well, so this was, perhaps was, there's, there's a chance that this was created in a lab? There's an investigation. A chance. Well, but I'm, I, so, I, 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 oh I, if there's evidence, I'd love to hear it. There's I just don't a know. novel respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. What do we do? Oh, you know who we could ask? The Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab. The disease is the same name as the lab. That's just, that's just a little too weird, don't you think? And then they I, ask I, those scientists, they're like, how did this... So wait a minute, you work at the Wuhan Respiratory Coronavirus Lab. How did this happen? And they're like, mm, a pangolin kissed a turtle. <laughs> and you're like, no. I, you, you, the wait, name wait, of your lab, wait. if you look at the name, look at the name. Can I, let me see your business card. Show me your business card. Oh, I work at the... Coronavirus lab in Wuhan. Oh, because there's a coronavirus loose in Wuhan. How did that happen? Maybe a bat flew into the cloaca of a turkey and then it sneezed into my chili and now we all have coronavirus. Like, come on. Okay, wait, okay, a, okay, second, wait a, okay. a second. Wait a what second. about this? What about wait this? Listen to this. Wait a second. All right. John. Oh my God. Oh my God. There's been an outbreak of chocolatey goodness near Hershey, Pennsylvania. What do you think happened? Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe a steam shovel made it with a cocoa bean. Or it's the chocolate factory. Maybe that's it. That could be. The mayor that has no guts is certifiably nuts. Yeah, our city's ripe with crime, but don't mess with our office time. It was confirmed this week that what many of us have suspected about Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, she's raving bonkers. Even Jesse Smollett says, I find her hard to believe. <laughs> the Chicago Tribune obtained an email she sent to a scheduler back in January in which she complained she wasn't getting enough of what she called office time. Except Lightfoot repeated several sentences over and over and over again like a psychopath. It was shocking. When people repeat themselves in Chicago, it's usually, help, help, I've been shot, I've been shot. <laughs> so rather than summarize this email, uh, and we are not making this crap up, we're going to read you the whole thing just to show you how bad this is. Take it away. Since my prior requests for office time are routinely ignored, I am now resorting to this. I need office time every day. 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 Not just once a week or some days. But every day, not just once a week or some days every day, not just once a week or some days every day, not just once a week or some days every day, not just once a week or some days every day, not just once a week or some days every day, not just once a week or some days every day, not just once a week or some days every day, not just once a week or some days every day, not just once a week or some days every day. Breaks or transitions between meetings are not office time. Breaks or transition times between meetings are not office time. Breaks or transition times between meetings are not office time. Breaks or transition times between meetings are not office time. Breaks or transition times between meetings are not office time. Breaks or transition times between meetings are not office time. Breaks or transition times between meetings are not office time. If this doesn't change immediately, I will just start unilaterally canceling things every day. 
If this doesn't change immediately, I will just start unilaterally cutting things every day. If this doesn't change immediately, I will just start unilaterally cutting things every day. If this doesn't change immediately, I will just start unilaterally cutting things every day. If this doesn't change immediately, I will just start unilaterally cutting things every day. Have I made myself clear? Finally. Have I made myself clear finally? 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 We had to get Emily to do that because she's the fastest talker on the planet. But endlessly repeating the same thing is a sign of mental instability. Or that you work for CNN. <laughs> but I repeat myself. Anyway, on Monday, she defended the email. To write an email like that comes um, after a lot of conversation and born of frustration. Um, we got beyond that and solved the, the challenges that were at the heart of that uh, email, which was written five plus months ago. So I think we're in a, in a better place. Uh, a better place. Anything is better than that place. But ima imagine if she expressed as much frustration about her city's murder rate as she does about her office time. But in the interest of fairness, here's Kat reading one of my recent emails. <laughs> Dear Kat, since my prior requests on this are routinely ignored, I am now resorting to this. Kill me as a liar. 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 I didn't leave that in the hot tub. 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 I've been constipated for five days. 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 For five days. Have I made myself clear finally? <laughs> That's just a taste, but I had to cover it. I mean, let's just be honest. The crime is from the first section. And that this lady, the lesbian fruitcake, who's a total racist, literally has the time to write those kind of emails. And literally that lady from Fox, I don't know how she talks that fast. People say I talk fast. Let's get into just some ash and trash. He was not sexually harassing somebody. He didn't have the intent to harass somebody. He was sexually harassing himself, maybe. Anna Nafaro defended Tubin on CNN. Look, I just... Some instance of sexual harassment or black and white, Navarro said. Some instances are more nuanced. He was not sexually harassing somebody. He didn't have the intent to harass somebody. He was sexually harassing himself. He was on a Zoom call. It was an accidental exposure. Navarro continued. He was not a CNN call. It was the New Yorker from where he was been terminated and faced consequences. He's been on CNN for many months during some of the elections, during some of the hottest political and legal times. I think this bigger problem is, frankly, with himself, this family, with his wife. That is why a CNN calling, Navarro concluded, it was something stupid horrific kinky freaky that he did but it wasn't something that he was trying to do to us mm. he exposed himself to everyone on a zoom call he didn't do it accidentally he meant to whack off during the meeting he just didn't think he'd get caught drew holden brings up what it really is one of the hard parts about supporting Me Too movement is being consistent, even when the perpetrators are people we like or admire or who made us laugh for decades. Zero tolerance means zero tolerance, even when it's a Dr. Huxtable. Hmm. This is what I said on this show during the time this was all breaking means the good guys too he didn't have the intent to harass somebody in a record time now that the culprit is someone anna shares a program with then we have the constant 
calling for violence and putting Rand Paul in danger because he's been attacked twice. We say that for for Democrats, for the squad. Rand Paul's not a big fan of democracy. This is what this dick cheese said. From CNN Story, Rand Paul has a very interesting view on American democracy. He's not a fan. The idea of democracy and majority rule really isn't what goes against our history and what the country stands for. New York Times in a story published Monday, the Jim Crow law came out of democracy. That's what you get when the majority ignores the rights of others. Paul's point, I think, is that rights of majority minority party in the Senate are sacrosanct because we have representative democracy where people elect representatives to cast votes on policy rather than the direct democracy where people decide the policies they want. Paul means to argue that because people elected to have members of Congress represent their in- interests, they inherently believe that simple majority rule was not the best answer, and therefore the current obstruction by Republicans in the Senate on the January 6th Commission bill, among other things, is entirely in keeping the founding principles. Neither were our founders, dipshit. We don't want mob rule. We want constitutional republic. But it just wasn't him. Jonathan Chait. Democracy and majority rule aren't what this country stands for, says Rand Paul. One of the edifying side effects of the Trump era has been that by making democracy the explicit subject of political debate, it has revealed the stark fact many influential conservatives do not believe in it. Mike Lee blurted out last fall that he opposes ranked democracy. His fellow Republican Senator Rand Paul tells the New York Times the item me blah, 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 blah. The belief system Paul is endorsing contains a few related claims. First, the founders explicitly and purposely rejected majoritarianism. Their favorite shorthand is we're a republic, not a democracy. Second, the extent... The current system has shortcomings that reveal the ignorance of the majority and hence underscore the necessity of eliminating democracy. Third, slavery and Jim Crow are the best historic examples of democracy run amok. Those most insidious aspects of the Lee Paul right-wing belief system in the circulation. The more openly the far right threatens democracy, the more it proves democracy is dangerous and more necessary it is to strengthen the right claim to minority rule and a health policy. All parties would simply accept the value of democracy and views like this would be disqualifying and scandalous. We've reached a point, however, when a senator can openly attack democracy and it's just more partisan rhetoric. Not what he said. How many times do I have to show this? How many fucking times? You guys wrote letters. Because you got rid of it, then the Republicans brought it back, and then they talked about taking it away. And our media betters and companies said, oh, we can't do that. This is America. The filibuster is so important. Minority rule destroyed the Gulf, the fucking debt. Operation Iraqi Freedom was totally a clusterfuck because of minority rule. You wouldn't even finance it. That's why I registered as a fucking Republican. I wasn't a Republican. I just registered as one. Here's an ABC dick cheese. On you, you would show... McConnell says it's highly unlikely to allow Biden to fill Supreme Court vacancy in 2024 if he's a majority leader. He also does, doesn't commit to allowing a vote on a nominee if a seat opens over 2023. We'll have to wait and see. Is there any doubt that the GOP would end the filibuster for good in a heartbeat if it served their purposes? 
It currently doesn't apply to their most important issues, tax cuts to judges, and they kill it immediately if it blocked anything else. Had total control for two years and didn't do it for O'Care. Why, Kevin? Steve Schmidt. Never Trumper extraordinaire. These fucking slides piss me off. I should just go slideless. So annoying. Soon it will be the summer solstice. The GOP is profoundly more radical and anti-democratic when it was, was at the winter solstice. Frogs have an excuse when they get boiled alive without noticing the water temperature rising. They are frogs after all. He still gets paid. Gets brought on. Then they roll this out. We cannot rely solely on a wish of winning. We need HR1. Mistake. And, um especially if Senate Democrats are not going to pass reforms on H.R. 1. We cannot rely solely on on a wish of winning elections. She said the quiet part outside, folks. I mean, if you think H.R. 1 is for the good of the people, you clearly are smoking shit. Then we have these winner winners chicken dinners Oliver Darcy and Brian Seltzer suggest conservative media reporting on Falky's email and critical race theory because their attacks on Biden aren't sticking this is the second time they've gone down this route and well I'll play another sound saying arrest Fauci that just shows how fair criticism goes to an unfair extreme place Totally. And it's one thing to criticize someone and, and have a, a, a debate that's fair. It's another thing to say, like you just played, you know, he has blood on his hands. We should arrest him. We should prosecute him. We should throw him in jail and throw away the key. And that's sort of what you're seeing uh, really saturate right wing media these days. And it's, yeah, then it's you're really, really in like a fantasy land because that's never going to happen. So it's like a fantasy is the bigger picture, Oliver, that when Biden attacks don't stick, when attacks against Biden don't stick, the Fox world finds new targets. The book is called Preventable. How much of this pandemic was preventable and how? Well, of course, we would have had a, a pandemic here in the U.S. no matter what. Um, but, but and look, we can count the, the, the mistakes, and I think it's important that we do it for nothing else so we don't repeat them. We obviously had a set of technical mistakes with the testing and, and the, the PPE that we know about. But if we're honest, we also had two, two other types of mistakes that caused a lot of loss of life. One were just plainly political leadership mistakes. Um, there was a lot. We denied the virus for too long out of the Trump White House. We, there was too much squashing of dissent and playing on divisions. But I'd also think we all need to look at one another and ask ourselves, um, what do we need to do better next time? And in many respects, being able to sacrifice a little bit for one another um, to get through this and to save more lives is going to be is going to be essential, and that's something that I think we could all have done a little bit better on. So when- that is Biden's guy. If we would just sacrifice more, if you would just they just hate us. If you would just sacrifice more, things would be so much better. Then we get the Rebecca Jones stuff. A scientist. That's misinformation. She's not a scientist. Then we have WAPO. 600 dead with normal life in reach. Late stage victims lament what could have been. Because they won't give it up. They're still talking about strains. Then we get 
Holy shit! A new analysis of blood samples of 24,000 Americans taken last year in a large study suggests the coronavirus popped up in the U.S. in December 2019 when me and my wife got sick. Then we go to this winter winter chicken dinner. Because of their lockdowns, ER visits, suicide attempts rose 51% in young girls. Then we go... Oh, no. We, we didn't do that yet. We're about to get to that. Hmm. Maybe we sacrificed too much. Maybe it was too much. I don't know. Could be me. But no, we're not, we're not going to do that. Why would we do that? Why? 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 And this is the second time I've hit this. Because I fucking put it in the wrong spot and I fixed it. So you saw this picture before. Don't think I don't know that I put it up twice. A rising murder rate gains attention in American cities. Republicans have ramped up a misleading campaign to cast Democrats as anti-police and lax on public sla- uh, public safety. A misleading campaign to cast Democrats as anti-police and lax on public safety. You mean the defund the police party? Yeah, sure. Pull the other one. It's got bells on it. Pay no attention to all those Democrats calling to defund the police. It's just a misleading Republican campaign. Yeah. 12 News in Arizona is desperately trying to erase our memories. We're not to remember how Democrats promoted defund the police. Why would the GOP believe the Democrats want to defund the police? What, whatever would give them their, that idea. And then this is perfect. How dare Republicans try to smear Democrats with the inevitable and obvious consequences of their policy? Unmitigated gall. Gaslighting. Which brings us to four conspiracies. They're baseless. I'm just going to skim it over. Because this is really good shit. This, this is... Just a taste. I do a lot of these, but these are things that are just, they're just wrong. They've always been wrong. The media know they're wrong. The photo op. Trump cleared the square. No, he didn't. Everybody knows he didn't do it. The media knew at the time he didn't do it. But we did it anyway, because why wouldn't we? Russia Gate. Someone leaked the abortion called the Green New Deal. They ran with that. They have such balls, they ran it out a second time, and now they're putting it in policy. Republicans in Congress aided the insurrection. Those are all lies. But I think it's because we're an inflection point. All Don Lemon and everybody on CNN who's lost all their viewers. I mean, Seltzer's down 78% this weekend. Or like Don Lemon. They don't know what to talk about. And they clearly aren't going to talk about Hunter's N-word. He made their air, but it isn't what everybody else is talking about. Part of the Republican Party and the percentage of people who believe in that. It's not a majority of people in this country. And I just wonder if we over-inflate it, if we give too much of a voice to it. Because Donald Trump right now is the Wizard of Oz. He's a man behind the curtain, and he really doesn't have any power. You know, his power, hang on, Brian, please. His power comes from us, that we keep promoting him, and we keep talking about this. Sometimes we should probably ignore a lot of it. because Laura, the remarkable thing about 
President Trump and his administration was how openly he corrupted the processes of government. Remember when he was a candidate, Russia, are you listening? Go get those emails. As president, suggesting China open investigations of Hunter Biden, attacking Jeff Sessions, his attorney general, for recusing himself. They're fucking farce. Mediate. We ignore Trump and Trumpism at our peril. Jim Acosta uncovering the Biden era from the anchor chair. And they put that picture up. He gets maybe 300,000 viewers a show. He's nobody. He was always a joke to normals. We did not think he was a journalist. When our foreign policy is the base of a plaque that's on the Statue of Liberty, most of us just always thought he's a fucking hack. But yeah, he's he's a journalist. Tucker Carlson's a Nazi. A Jewish dude is literally a gateway drug to white supremacy. And they disparage the party they're most aligned with all the time. But the left, they can murder people. It's the old Trump stupid saying. They could go out on Fifth Avenue and kill somebody and literally get away with it. It's okay. There's nothing wrong here. Nope. Nothing wrong at all. It's all fucking good. So... Let's get woke because everybody's racist. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. The 100 years of the Tulsa riots, it is sad that we are even contemplating something like critical race theory, where children will be separated by their skin color and deemed permanently oppressors or oppressed in 2021. That is not teaching the truth, unless you believe that whites are better than blacks. I have personally heard teachers teaching CRT, and we have had an assembly shut down because Duval County Public School System consultant thought it would be a great idea to separate students by race. This is unacceptable. CRT is not racial sensitivity or simply teaching unfavorable American history or teaching Jim Crow history. CRT is deeper and more dangerous than that. CRT and its outworking today is a teaching that there is a hierarchy in society where white, male, heterosexual, able-bodied people are deemed the oppressor and anyone else outside of that uh, status is oppressed. That's why we see corporations like Coca-Cola asking their employees to be less white, which is ridiculous. I don't know about you, but telling my child or any child that they are in a permanent oppressed uh, status in America because they are black is racist. And saying that white people are automatically above me, my children, or any child is racist as well. This is not something that we can stand for in our country. 
and don't take it from me, look at the writers of these types of uh, publications. Fairfax County public school teacher, and I'm going to give a message of encouragement to parents and teachers and students who are too afraid to come and speak forward. Parents, the longer that you wait and you don't hold your child's schools accountable gives these guys more time to dictate what's best for your child's physical, mental, and emotional health. Don't be afraid to speak out for your kids. Here's your reminder that fat phobia is rooted in racism. As always, if you haven't read this book, go do that. The main thing to understand is that for the last 300-ish years, white folks have been marketing fatness as a black trait. And this is regardless of whether or not black people individually were actually fat. That was irrelevant. The message they spread was that black women specifically were ravenous and uncontrollable, and these barbaric traits made them fat. On the flip side, thinness was marketed as a white trait. Again, regardless of whether or not individual white people were actually thin, that was irrelevant. The idea was that white women specifically were refined and restrained, and this led them to having delicate, thin bodies. Over the years, these messages have become more subtle, but even today, they are still very prevalent in conversations around race, health, capitalism, and poverty. No! 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 I am not the problem! I am the solution! You are the problem! I went to college! I went to college, you hear me? Do not mess with me! I am warning you! But because she is a woman, and a woman of color, the level of scrutiny that she is getting from both the left and the right is really off the charts. And you know, it's interesting that you mentioned the point about white men, Zerlina, because we always give them the benefit of the doubt. No one criticized Jared Kushner once for not delivering peace <laughs> to the Middle East. But people really do expect Kamala Harris, our vice president, to solve the border issue overnight. Uh, all that being said, and I know she is in a really tough situation, it was jarring um, to hear this administration sound so much like the last administration, especially on the issue of immigration, and because she is the daughter of an immigrant. But as I say in my USA Today piece, as, a, as the first black and first Asian and first woman to hold the second most powerful job in the country, she can't keep anybody happy. It's not possible. Crime is never justified, of course. I, I, I will say that. I think they could have made a little better effort to stop that yeah. bicycle. I mean, that, that, that reads also as an act of desperation. I mean, you're, yeah. you're not getting yeah. rich off of what you take from a Walgreens. You're getting probably something you need. Uh, I don't know the details of that particular well, he, case. I mean, a bag crime, full. It looked, they looked like hair products. I yeah, that's what it says. It was hair, hair products. Which are valuable. Which are valuable. So, yeah. And he's filling his bag full of them. I'm going to do a CRT show. I have a whole bunch of stuff. But I'm just waiting that that'll be the show. But we see two parents because they're getting sick of them. And unless, I don't, maybe that black lady is a white supremacist. I don't know. It's very confusing. You have two liberal freaks. You have a bigot on MSDNC. And then, of course, you have that video that's everywhere in San Francisco. If you've read any stories on any site, Walgreens has shut down down there because of shoplifting. And then you hear CBS just, it's okay because, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's reparations and shit. This story pretty much sums up the whole racist stuff. And I could put a klitschy music in the background, but it, this is just all a joke. 
This guy literally wore blackface, but you're cool with it because he's on the right team and his reaction after, you know, being a total fucking racist was to, yeah, we're just going to go totally woke. It goes well with this story. Now, how many times we tell you unwoke hayseeds that you're supposed to think you continue to stubbornly draw obvious conclusions from the observable evidence. And what is it? Viral images show people of cover as anti-Asian perpetrators. That misses the big picture. And what is the big picture? This is the big picture. Because you're the problem. Other studies confirm the findings, Wong wrote. She pointed to... Separate research, uh, let me zoom this up because it's like really small thought. Um, Michigan uh, Verlin Hate Project, which examined media reports about anti-Asian incidents last year, and found that upward of 75% of news stories identified perpetrators male and white in instances of physical or verbal assaults and harassment, and the race of the perpetrator was confirmed. The underlying study is awful, which I could tell as soon as I saw them use the word Latinx. They got their data from University of Michigan study that basically listed political politicians using Wuhan virus as examples of anti-Asian hate crimes. But we know that. We've already known that that's what it was. Wuhan virus, the media did it. It was okay. You didn't have a problem with it. I'm not going to talk about the, the lady that I had in the beginning, the fattest racist. Now you have NPR. Tom Hanks recently wrote an essay in New York Times urging more widespread teaching on the 1921 race massacre. TV critic Eric Deegan says it's wonderful that Hanks stepped forward to advocate for teaching about race-based massacre. But he adds, it's not enough. It's not enough. You need more. You need to bow and give up all your millions Then you have another article, all right, from WAPO. They're just bird names, but it's not well known that those honored with them, heroes of conservation, were enslavers, grave robbers, murderers. Read about the racist legacies of orthonology and movement to change their names. We're we're still saying birds are racist. Birds. The last article we covered was bird names were racist. Now it's the birds themselves. They're fucking bigots. But overcoming those barriers will be daunting as with the wider field of conservation, racism, and colonialism are in orthology DNA, inevitably linked to its origin story. The challenge of how we move forward is roiling white orthonologists as they debate whether to change as many as 150 eponyms named of birds that honor people with connection to slavery and supremacy. I know I said that word wrong. Fuck off. Conservation has been driven by white patriarchy, says True Langham, a black orthonologist and professor of Clemson University in South Carolina. The whole idea of calling somebody a wilderness after you were people off it or exterminate them and that you get to take ownership. It's probably the dude I showed that video. I don't know if that's a dude or a girl. I don't know. Honorific bird names are a reminder that this field that I worked in was primarily developed and shaped by people not like me who probably would have reviewed me as lesser, said orthonologist Olivia Wang, riding the wave of, yeah, 
people treat us bad too. This has to be satire. This is an embarrassment. I'm not sure how you can even look at yourself in the mirror and claim to be a journalist. Taking the race battle that is being waged in the media and injecting birds is both comical and ridiculous. Grow up and act like a man, for Christ's sake. (laughs) But it's everywhere. You've got, I don't even, what is wrong with these people? Supremacy in our schools. What will that message gain us? What type of inspiration are we expecting people to get from this, from critical race theory? The social justice standards are a roadmap for anti-bias education at every stage of kindergarten through eighth grade instruction. Are our kids, are they half oppressor, half victim? How does that work? And when they come home, who do they see? Do they see their mom and their dad? Or do they see um, an oppressor and, and, and the oppressed. Developmentally, we know um, they can be activists, but we must build their capacity for seeing injustice first. And do they see me as the person who is losing out on all of this because I'm Black and the system has been stacked against me? All schools are rooted in white supremacy. Racism is really systematized. So it's in the air we breathe, it's in the water we drink, it is truly all around us. Because of our skin color, now we're different people than the people that are raising them, the people who love them, the people who are supporting them. Most importantly, um, this work is just foundational to who and what Oak Park is. I was like, who is this? And, and, and the way I feel about her, she thinks I'm crazy, but I'm like, I, I love you. I, I love you more today than I did when I first met you. And all the stuff that I saw about her, uh, you know, and I, I told my family and friends, I'm dating somebody from Chicago. And they're like, why, you know, you can meet girls around here. I'm like, I have never met anybody like her. The way I admired her at the time, I admired her even more because I'm like, wow, she was a single mom in high school. She graduated high school, got her LPN, got a double major from DePaul University, with working full-time, full-time student. And once I found I found this out about her, I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, I already thought she was special and just, you know, and-, and See, he's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Connecticut and I grew up in a very diverse um, uh, community, but there's something about Oak Park where we have a block party twice a year, every block, and you get to know your neighbors. Being black and from the west side, you know, it's, you don't always know, you know, that you, that, that white people are like safe. You don't always feel like that. And so, you know, in Oak Park, you just felt like you could come and be around everyone and nobody would look at you like you didn't belong. We walk into Chicago and we're holding hands and people stare at us. And in Oak Park, we feel normal. I truly believe that is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Their argument doesn't even try to make sense. The way the unracial couples try to pretend they're biracial kids is a solution to racism. And as if they don't need to see race to succeed in a function of white supremacy and further colorism. What an embarrassment. I just... 
And then we have more of this. Here's another one. I could have started with another one, but I can't remember what the fuck it had to do with anything. This is denying systemic racism in medicine is in itself racist. Okay. Professor. Blue Lives Matter is a form of ambient digital racism. Ambient digital racism is a new, sophisticated, and even more elegant way of expressing racism, according to Simmons University scholar. The professor discussed the term in an interview for his project title, It's Not How You Say It, It's What You Say. Ambient Digital Racism and Racism Discourses on Twitter. Hashtags are racist. These hashtags represent counter-narratives because the argument of you, BLM, are not the only one that matter misses the point of what BLM is saying. We wanted to see how those counter-narratives expressions, what we call ambient digital racism, can be confused with normal, casual racist talk that appears harmless but is actually deeply racist. He went on to argue that ambient digital racism is fueled by America's racist society. Right now, we live in a racist society. Therefore, we have racist people, racist behavior, racist thoughts, and we have racist knowledge. The racist knowledge has been posed in our society. So when someone decides to hashtag white lives matter, all lives matter, that person based on the elective affinity theory has a meaning affinity which that group. The goal of the anniversary interview was to promote Angelo's current project title. It's not how you say it. It's what you say. And you're a racist anyway, so shut the fuck up. And then we get into this shit. Texas A&M has a glossary of terms related to race, gender, religion, and other intersectional identities published on its website. Among other terms, the glossary explains several types of racism and branches of critical race theory to its readers. I downloaded the glossary. So we are going to have a little fun here. And I'm going to open this up. And let's see what kind of stupidity we can find in this. And it's very long. It is uh, two pages long. You know what? I fucked up. This is not the one I'm looking for. Yeah. Nope. This is not the droid you're looking for. So that wasn't it. I thought I could get it, but I guess I took it offline. So we'll read the article. The Office of Diversity at Texas A&M maintains a glossary of nearly 117 terms as a resource for campus and community. The glossary defines racism as a systemic subordination of members of targeted racial groups have relative little societal power in the United States. Specifically, black, Latino, Native American, Asians, these individuals are subordinated by the members of the agent racial group who have relatively more social power, namely whites. You white motherfucking pieces of shit. Beyond its core definition of racism, the glossary discusses passive racism, active racism, systemic racism, institutional racism, and soon digital racism. Critical race theory is defined as an academic discipline focused upon the critical examination of society and culture and the intersection of race, law, and power. Asian crit theory, lat crit theory, tribal crit, and critical race feminism. 
The glossary states that Christian privilege is a system of advantage bestowed upon Christians in some societies, a reality that arises out of the presumption of Christian belief as a social norm, leading to the exclusion of secular individuals and members of other religions through institutional religious discrimination, as well as through negligence of outside cultural and religious practice and heresy. Beyond the categories of race and religion, the glossary offers extensive advice on the usage of terms related to gender. For instance, cisgender is a term used to describe people for the most part, identified as the gender they were born as birth, and the glossary describes it if a doctor said it's a boy, blah, blah, blah. Transgender is an umbrella term. Meanwhile, gender expression is a separate concept denoting the ways of blah, 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 and blah. So, two things on this. Number one, cisgender is pejorative. We know that. It's a put-down. It's not a positive statement. And Christian privilege. Hmm. The, the privilege to be the only religion that can be bashed prejudiced against, treated like shit, blamed for pandemics, that religion? Because I say it all the time, I believe in Christianity. I pray. I don't go to church. So I'm not like one of these Bible thumpers, as is done as a pejorative also. But at the end of the day, objectively speaking, that's bullshit. You don't have privilege in this country to be a Christian anymore. You're a downcast. Then we got NANSA. We're launching Mission Equity, a comprehensive effort to assess how to expand access to our programs and examine potential barriers and challenges that exist for historical underrepresented and underdeserved communities. Find out how and give feedback. Do spacey stuff with qualified people. Leave off the social work. When considering sending people into space, check the box, best for the job. And the best part about this is they deleted it. They got rid of it. Yoga instructor. Yoga has been infiltrated by white supremacy. I'm not reading that. I'm not going to read that. No. Yoga. Then we have this guy. And I had the picture up there. I was skeptical, but unbelievable. This is listed on PubMed. Here's the link. Let me get my face uncovered. Oh, God, this is really big. On having whiteness as a condition. Abstract. Whiteness is a condition one first acquires and then one has a malignant parasitic-like condition to which white people have particular susceptibility. The condition is foundational, generating characteristic ways of being in one body, in one mind, in one's world. Parasitic whiteness renders its host's appetites voracious, insatiable, and perverse. These deformed appetites particularly target non-white people. Once established, these appetites are nearly impossible to eliminate. Effective treatment consists of a combination of psychic and social historical interventions. Such interventions can reasonably aim only to reshape whiteness-infiltrated appetites to reduce their intensity, redistribute their aims, and occasionally turn those aims towards the work of reparation. When remembered and represented, the ravages wreaked by the chronic condition can function either as a warning, never again, or as a temptation, greater again. Memorialization alone, therefore, is no guarantee against regression. There is not yet a permanent cure. That's a real thing. That's racist as fuck. That is racist as fuck. 
that's fucking racist. Racist. And now, let us see what else we can listen to. Mm, students, uh, I could do the one that everybody did, but I'm not going to. So I'm going to play Students Say the American Flag Symbolizes Oppression, and we're going to go into the fascist, because this is on Nickelodeon. Freedom for college students. Let's find out. When you see an American flag, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Well, um, America, our country, uh, patriotism, and uh, I guess recently a couple of negative connotations. Nationalism in a negative type of light and maybe some exclusiveness and some selfishness? Uh, a lot of things come to mind. First of all, war. Um, second of all, hmm, let me see. Well, we've also taken a bit of land from Native Americans. That's unfortunate, too. And a lo- and it's just, it's just really terrible that we've done all these things. And this flag kind of reminds me of that, of all the sins we've committed against others. It's just a flag, so I don't have tons of, you know, thoughts. A symbol of a place to be and not something to really love and cherish with your whole heart because that leads to a lot of blindness, I think, in my opinion. It's there. It represents something. What exactly it represents, I'm still not sure of myself. When you think of the American flag, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Hmm. Freedom. It's representation of our values and what we are as a country. Some students have told me that they think the American flag is a symbol of oppression, genocide, and racism. Would you agree with that? Yes, wholeheartedly. We've done so much under that banner. And we've just, and you know, the whole patriotism thing just sweeps all that narrative of racism, oppression, and the like under the rug. Um, I mean, I could see why certain people would think that. Like, why, why certain people would see it as a like potentially representing that I see that point I understand why you would think that I guess to some people it may invoke that emotion I understand that I'm very I guess I don't look at it hey 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 bow 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 little pump and cut hey gang shit gang shit gang shit it's pride everybody every color on the pride flag is a symbol in the sky and i'm proud to be me every time that i see that pride flag waving high red means life because living is a gift orange means healing and we have to persist in working to heal the world and healing ourselves yellow means sunlight cause you gotta shine bright green means nature and we gotta fight to keep our earth a thriving home for life doesn't it just fill you with pride showing who you are on the inside with the pride flag up high be true to you Working together, purple means be- Happy Pride, y'all! One, two, three. Won't you kiss my rainbow every day, summer? Living cool, my 
We're all part of the same team, the same family. We could dance together. Yeah. Oh God! Would you look at that dress? Happy Friday, everybody! We haven't chosen anything. This is who we are. If everyone can't see how accepting we are, they can get the heck out. I wish that people understood that drag is a way of expression. I just feel more out there, more open, more powerful as my drag self. There is a bright side to life. Throw glitter on it, it makes everything look nice. It disturbs me that people think that we're, you know, sexualizing them. He's my baby. What else am I supposed to do but support him? Miss Susan B. Anthony. There's never really been a drag kid in Missouri. Give it up to Lady Gaga! I don't want to be famous. I just want to be a famous drag queen. That first soundbite right there and then you have the fox pride and then you have a show my wife saw and um literally that's a child that's all this is all pedophilia this is all child abuse if it was guns or god that's what you'd be saying guns or god it would be child abuse but some reason it's not because of you know that's that's where we're at. People's replies to this. Um, tell Nickelodeon what you think about this. Tag them, DM them, shame them. Cancel Nickelodeon now. This is what they're pushing on kids. Is there an audience asking for this? No. No, there's not. And then as we talked about last time, um, here is, the, this is the new pride flag. Progress Pride flag gets 2021 redesigned to better represent intersex people. American flag, garbage. This is okay. And the worst part of this fascism is it it infiltrates everything. And going back to Christian privilege, a thing we just talked about, this is Burger King. Burger King trolls Chick-fil-A and new campaign vowing donations to LGBT groups for every chicken sandwich sold on Sunday. The Chick King says LGBTQ plus rights during Pride Month, even on Sundays. Your chicken sandwich craving can be do good. We are making a donation to HRC for every Chick King sold. 6-3 to 6-30. With every Chicken King sold, BK could contribute 
40 cents to the human rights campaign. Max donations to 50K. Brilliant marketing moved to actively alienate half the American population on behalf of the most radical activists in the Democratic base. I get mine with extra virtue sauce. <laughs> then we had this fluffle. DOJ said they will defend religious organizations. That kind of fucking freaked me the fuck out just a little bit. Um, Fox News, which we played on the intro. What the fuck is that? Why, why do we have that? Then we start getting into it's the government. Lists of words, fetus, diversity, transgender. Yeah. Then, then you have the HHS secretary squirming trying to explain what the fuck. I also noticed you changed a, a term in your budget work. Uh, you shifted from in places from using the term mother to birthing people rather than mother. Can you help me get a good definition of birthing people? Well, I'll I'll check on the language there, but I think if we're talking about those who give birth, I think we're talking about, uh, I I don't know how else to explain it to you other than it. I was a little taken back when I just read it and saw it, that it's that the term mother was gone in spots and it was replaced with birthing people. And I didn't know if this was a direction that you were going, if there were shifts, if there are regulatory changes that are happening related to that or what the purpose of that is. Uh, I think it's probably, and again, I, I'd have to go back and take a look at the language that was used in the budget. Point zero six of this country is trans. But oh no, it's not done. I used to do this every year. Here's the new shit from fucking Glad that they don't they don't want just some representation. They want more. Leaders at the LGBTQ EIEIO Plus Writers Committee of the Writers Guild of America call on Hollywood to dig deeper and do better. It represents day in the it's it is present day Hollywood responsibility to make right all the harm caused by Hollywood past. According to the letter, WGAW survey last month said up to twenty five percent of people identify as gay claim they have hidden their identity or felt compelled to. Though modern Hollywood has undoubtedly become more open to LGBTQ talent and letter, stress that these people are often forced to comply standard narratives. Even a post-Hayes Code landscape to prevail narrative was not allowed. LGBTQ plus characters, a full scope of our humanity, too often reduced to our collective traumas coming out victimized, the AIDS crisis, being murdered for our identities. Prove it. Glad 2021, where we are, TV report has shown progress, but in films, LGBTQ plus representation is lagging. Of the 118 films released by the majority studios in 2019, a mere 22, only eight, a mere 22, uh, only 18.6 include a single LGBTQ character of those only nine featured characters for more than 10 minutes of screen time. And of course, the statistics are far more dire when looking at representation of queer BIPOC. Last month in a survey of 158, a staggering 46% of writers reported that they have hidden their identity. Blah, 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 blah. Let me see if I can find that glad where we're at. Now, remember, gays represent 5% of the country. And I didn't do this. Um, of the 773 series regular characters scheduled to appear um, in 
In fact, let me add this. I'm going to add this picture really quick so we can read together. It's funny. I, I never saw a link to this. So I, I never, I never grabbed it, which is kind of weird. Um, here, here's their stories of the 773 series regular characters scheduled to appear on broadcast scripted primetime television this season. 79.1% are LGBTQ. This is a decrease from the previous year's 10.2. The number is expected to drop due to the COVID-19 pandemic. There are additional 31 LGBTQ recurring characters on broadcast TV. Once again, 5% of you stretch it. 0.06% now are trans. On scripted primetime cable series, the number of series regulars has decreased to 81 characters with 37 reoccurring. On the streaming service, Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, there are 95 regular gay characters original scripted, a decrease uh, from last year, as well as 46 characters that are recurring. That brings the total to 141 gay people. In 2021, bisexual characters make up 28% of all gay characters. These numbers still lean towards women with 65% or 65 women and 33 men. Across all three platforms, there are 29 regular recurring transgender characters. These characters include 15 trans women, 12 trans men, and two trans characters who are non-binary. 26 of the 29 characters are played for voice by transgender actors, which way over-represents 0.06%. 0.06%. This is the fourth year where Glad has accounted asexual characters. On all primetime broadcast scripted series, 46% of the series regular are women. Of the 773 series regulars counted on broadcast television, 46%, 354 of the characters are people of color, and 1% a point decrease from the previous, a 47. The number of series regulars characters with disability is rise slightly to 3.5% from last year's 3.1%. And they're very unrepresented. The number of characters with AIDS has decreased. We no longer have angels on Victoria's Secret. We have this dude. And why does it bother me? Because this is what's happening to girls and kids. Cartoon Network is celebrating Pride Month and the LGBTQ plus community. Celebrate the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer community. It's time for a Pride Parade. This family has two mummies. I now pronounce you Garnet. This family has two daddies. You ready? Are you? These papas are non-binary. Every letter in LGBTQ plus is equal. Trans members of this family Navy, blue, pink, and white Represent transgender people Ace, by and pan, grown-ups, you see And P is full of pride Love is love is love, you see And black and brown represent The queer and trans people of color Happy Pride Month from Cartoon Network And happy Pride, everyone Happy Pride Month Um... This is kind of scary because I only realized this a couple of days ago and I've only come out to a few people. I'm a guy.
and be called my dead name and have she her pronouns used every time I go home and no one realizes how hurtful it is. It's like a slap in the face. And I dyed my hair last night so I could feel more masculine and I was afraid I was going to get thrown out of the house. We've already seen the studies that young girls are doing this so they could be accepted. And if you really care about suicides, the supposed genocide amongst transgender kids, is your ideology and vote so important that you're pushing this? We're talking for 0.06% of the country. 80% of these kids go back. But yet you're harming them mentally and physically. You are sterilizing a generation of kids. In your brainwashed desire to win elections. Fucking shame on you. This shit is sick. Which brings us to our lighter fare. Got a couple um, very funny, in my opinion, um, sound bites. The one is this. Basically what happened... Uh, feminazis got upset. Shawshank, St. Brian Ryan, Sans men are perfect replies to no women in The Last Jedi. So somebody got pissed off because some guys did it. Some geeks made videos without women in it. And so a guy went back and said, Saving Private Ryan without men. And it, it's probably just a flag, which is pretty funny. We're going to play Days of Th- Thunder, with, um, which I didn't play on the show, with Clint Boyer. And uh, Jeff Gordon, an ad for an Xfinity guy who needed a sponsor, which I think is really funny. And a gif I found of just look at the kid's face as his dad helps him jump the ramp.
Race fans, this is incredibly tough to talk about, but I do know that there are gonna be races that I'm going out uh, unsponsored, nobody in the car, car's gonna be blank. And uh, I'm bringing the deal to you here at Vanderbilt Motorsports. You can come on down to the number 68 where we're first sale. You can see your company right here on this 68 Chevy Camaro hot rod. Are you tired of spending your company's hard-earned dollar on some of these garbage advertisements Pow! come on down where the 68 works for you we got quarter panels we got deck lids we got c posts you can sponsor my rear end so come on down to brandonville motorsports where we have the fire deal and we'll take care of you foyer once again man you got a slave mike joy's waiting for us up wait there wait a minute jack i got it a little race. Oh, you're on. Do it. We're gonna settle this once and for all. One lap around the track to the booth. It's a race. Foyer, you're gonna be chasing me again, like usual. No chance. Oh yeah! <laughs> Mike, I thought that they would that. Clint and uh, Jeff would be there by now. I, I don't. I don't see him. You all right up there, Chris? This is on you. I'm going to bring Regan Smith up here and put you on pit road if I don't have some analysts here pretty quick. Pick up! Yeah! No way! I'm letting this guy beat me. No way! Uh -huh. me wide, right ah. Whoa. Oh, watch this dive bomb, Boyer! Dive bomb! That's my smoke screen. Pretty narrow right here, boys. Good feeling about this. <laughs> no.
no wonder they didn't make it to the booth. I, I think they saw the Days of Thunder movie just a, a few too many times, Mike. They're, they want to live it again. But once a driver, always a driver, even on their way to the booth. Yeah, let's see. It was the radiator, wasn't it? Yeah, I yeah think, it must yes. have been the radiator. I, I don't know That's who won. Maybe the they'll tell you. Hopefully they'll make it to you when we start the actual race. The engines are fired. The drivers are ready. So is Jeff Gordon and Clint Boyer. Will they make it to the booth on time to call the race? Stay tuned. Playing catch up again, Boyer. No way. Too close to call. Too close to call? What is this, Days of Thunder? Just a good old boy. Never meaning no harm. It's all you never saw. Been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. That kid's face is just the one of the... I was literally, it was like 4 o'clock in the morning I woke up and I saw that and I just smiled. What a face. <clears throat> That's awesome. So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please share with your family and friends and send comments to foppodcast.com. You can find every episode there from links and this show and last show will be in video and audio. I want to thank my bro once again because I taped too early. I couldn't smoke a stogie and drink a henry's but this weekend i don't give a shit i'm doing it i also want to talk about one of the good things liberals did and and i gotta admit i i don't like saying this but i i gotta one of the infrastructure things done in one of the administrations and i don't know if it's trump i don't know who the hell did it but we got fiber and i can only say it took me two and a half hours to load a four or five gigabyte video because I'm doing low quality. And it took two and a half minutes on fiber. It would take at least three minutes to upload the podcast you listen to. It took 30 seconds. And that's pretty sexy. Everything in our house, every freaking device is working way better and I pay 50 bucks a month, and I have a mesh router that is um, awesome. Plus, since it's fiber, I'm linked in. I got an Ethernet cable back hooked up to the beast. So, I don't have to, you know, the other day I took it upstairs to do it quickly. And that was two and a half minutes on Wi-Fi. So, now it's just going to be instant. It's going to be so fast. So, got to say, fiber is pretty cool. I live rural. We finally got it. And I got the base 250 megabytes per second. And it's, it's, I don't even know why you would need anything more. But they offered half a gig. And it's going to go up to 5 gigs eventually. They're going to keep updating it. So that's kind of cool. So um, Once again, to close out, I don't like bashing the president. But since he doesn't like, uh, I mean, I'm not saying that I like the guy. I'm just saying um, if he's going to go overseas and bash People that don't think like him, he breaks all the rules. So the shore bullshit stops. And that was embarrassing. Everything he did was an embarrassment. And we're going to use your rules. I labeled this your rules, media. He's unfit. 
That trip makes him unfit because that's the rules you did. He disrespected a woman. He disrespected the media. He made him wait two and a half hours. There were so many things I didn't even cover on the show. Putin owned him. So now he's a Russian agent. That's what Biden is. These are your rules. This is what you did for four years. We don't forget because you called us all Nazis because we didn't think like you. And we started that show at the January 6th, and it makes total sense now. If we knew it, if the FBI was talking about it, and we didn't stop it, it's clearly obvious they wanted this to happen. They needed something to flip the script so they can have more emergencies so they can put in a literal government that is not our government. And right now, Republicans are working on infrastructure, and I think you're idiots. Because if you work with them on infrastructure, they're then going to reconciliate even worse stuff. So don't. Don't work with them. Use their technique. Obstruct everything. Use the filibuster 327 times. Because every time you do it, I'm just going to put the slide up. Every time the media bitches about it and want to get their HR1 for the Democrat People Act, I'm just going to put that slide up. It's annoying, I know. But your rules, this is what you do. This is how you play ball. We don't need to be adults anymore. Because the reality is, Nothing Republicans did or ever proposed is as extreme as they're trying to do right now to this country. Not even Mr. Tweets a lot. So fuck them all. Fuck them. We don't accomplish shit for four years. Because for a lot of us, maybe not the never Trumpers, that election was a garbage fire. And if you don't think it was, that's because you just can't get your head out of your ass and you're stuck on Trump bad, gotta go. He's a danger to democracy. If you think he was a danger to democracy, what the fuck is this shit show? Because they don't they don't operate in democracy. This is some fascist extremist bullshit where opposing views of the FBI come after him and they can do whatever they want. So we're going to go with the next podcast on Sunday, 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 Father's Day, the 20th. Just another day for me because both my kids hate me. For whatever reason, I don't know why my son does, but my daughter, yeah, we know about that. So uh, we'll be here. We'll do another show. I hope you tune in, and y'all take care.